Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 15, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we ought to be excited and joyful about how Jesus is using us for the advancement of the gospel, the glory of his name, and the benefit of his people. Importantly, while being zealous and excited, we don't want to become arrogant or conceited, knowing that if not for Jesus and his grace working in us, we could do nothing at all. Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 15 and learn how to live with the excitement and joy that comes from being used by Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and uh, welcome to another teaching. It's a Friday morning here in Texas and uh, man, it's a, a blue sky outside. Looking outside the studio window, I can see the trees and the greenery and it's just a, it's just a blessed day to be loving on Jesus, to be spending time with Jesus, to be talking about Jesus. It's, uh, it's why we exist. It's the meaning of life is for us to grow to know and follow and love Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Golly, I was just, I was remembering as I was, I was starting, we always, uh, we look at the time and we go a minute ahead and, you know, um, you know, so we can, you know, keep these right around 30 minutes and, uh, you know, and so sometimes there's a 30 second delay where I'm just waiting to get started. And man, I just, I'm just, 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 I've always had this habit of just kind of, uh, you know, kind of, kind of petting my Bible. I just love it so much. You know what I mean? Like we have two dogs and you just pet your dog and, uh, you know, cause you just want to show love. And man, I remember when I first, when I first became a Christian over 25 years ago, I had a radical conversion. I was, you know, I was 27, 28 years old, um, a radical conversion. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And, uh, and man, I used to sleep with my Bible, you know, like you would a, a spouse or like you would, you know, um, you know, like a child sleeps with a with a with a stuffed toy. Um, man, I mean, I was just so excited to have that that Bible right there. And when I woke up, I wanted to I wanted to, I just wanted to wake up and not, I just wanted to open my Bible and I wanted to go to bed and just have my Bible there. Sometimes I, I cuddle it. And so. uh Man, we, we, we want to, that's how we want to live our lives as, as disciples of Jesus, where we just are being consumed and consuming the word of God, consumed with the word of God, consumed with the son of God and consuming the word of God and the son of God. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, Lord willing, we're going to finish Romans 15 today, verses 17 to 33, a powerful stuff here. A lot of, uh, you know, extremely sound application, um, you know, in these verses. I was uh, in my study and preparation. I was I was listening to uh, I was watching a YouTube video in a, in a particular pastor. And this is this is something that's been known. But I, you know, I like the way this is put that that when we come to the Bible, we we always come to it for revelation, then interpretation and then and then we live in application, right? Um, again, revelation is that when we're reading the scriptures, okay, um, the scripture is revelation. You go to the scriptures 
for revelation to the word of God. And that's what we have here. And then we drive for interpretation. There is only one interpretation. Okay, so when we when we hear people say or when we when we mistakenly say things like, well, what it means to me, it, it, it doesn't mean anything particular to you. Now, it may have a personal application to you. The Bible has one meaning. It means what the author intended it to mean when he wrote it. OK, um, and that's what God means. OK, that's the, the meaning of the scripture. Now, it, it, it certainly can have dozens or countless personal applications for you and for me. OK, but the interpretation is that there is only one interpretation. OK, so when we have multiple interpretations, uh, only one is correct if one is correct. But there is only one proper interpretation to a scripture. So on scriptures that as, uh, as, as uh, scholars and teachers, um, if we may disagree on an interpretation, one of us is right and one of us is wrong, or, or both of us is wrong if our interpretation is different. So there is only one interpretation, okay? What Paul is saying here to the Christians in Rome Okay, what Paul is meaning when he says it, and he's being led by the Holy Spirit, this is the divine, holy word of God, okay? Um, what he means is, is what it means, okay? It's what it means to them, it's what it means to us. Now, how it applies to them and how it applies to us very well could be very different, or it could be the same, okay? So again, the scripture is the revelation, okay? That's where we go for revelation, is to our Bible, then we strive for a proper interpretation to, to really is what is this scripture saying? And then we live an application, okay? We ought to consistently be looking for how to apply this scripture to our lives in every aspect of our lives. So thank you, Lord Jesus. That's what we try to do when we come here. And I like the way that uh, that pastor put that. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, so Romans 15, 17 to 33. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus and my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Galilee, I've been studying this all morning. It's not Illyricum. Um, it's, it's not uh, Illyricum. Um, um, golly, man, I, I, I went to an online Bible and I'm telling you, I said it 20 times because it's uh, the way this word is pronounced, this, uh, city is pronounced. Um, it'll come to me before this is done, but you see there in verse 19. So from Jerusalem all the way around to, um, you know, it's not Illyricum. Um, it's not Illyricum. Um, it's, uh, Elyricum, nope, that's not it. Golly, I said it 20 times, I'm sorry. I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I have been longing for many years to see you, 
I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist, assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this work, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there, so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. All right. Verse 17. Paul says, Father, we thank you for your word. Golly, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that we we have the word of God. Father, we, we thank you for the revelation of the scriptures. Father, we ask you to help us to come to the one proper interpretation of every verse in the Bible. Help us, Father, to strive and to dig. Help us, Father, to not impose our own ideas or our own system um, or our own framework or our own ideas on the scripture. Father, help us to just to, to, to dig for the one true meaning of the scripture, all the while taking it in totality as the word of God. And Father, above all, we ask you to help us to apply this scripture to our lives. Help us to obey the word of God and live out the word of God, Father, in every manner, in every way. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Verse 17. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. What is Paul saying here? I glory in Christ Jesus. He, he's not being proud. He's not being arrogant, but he is excited. He is pleased. And you're going to see here that he's going to credit it to the grace of God. He's not saying that he's awesome, but he is very excited for how Jesus uses him and has used him and in his service, right? We are all in service. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. There is no glory except in Christ Jesus, in Jesus Christ our Lord. If it's not in Jesus Christ, there is no glory to our Heavenly Father in any manner or in any way. And that's something we, we really need to get settled in, okay? Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. Again, Paul is, is excited and, you know, he's, you know, he's just, he's happy. He's joyful about how Jesus has used him and, and, and continues to use him and will continue to use him. But look what he says. 
I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. So now you can see again, he's saying, it's not that I was great, Paul is saying, it's not that I was awesome, but what Jesus has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. Now, what does he mean here? So again, when he says the Gentiles, obviously Paul exhorted Jews. He led the Jews to Christ as well. But but by far the biggest part of his ministry, Jesus used him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and lead them to obedience in two ways, okay? What does this mean in leading the Gentiles to obey God? Well, the first thing it means is that they obeyed God by believing the gospel of God, the word of God, the good news about Jesus, the good news that a savior has come. Why is it good news? Because there's bad news. The bad news is that I and all 8 billion people in the world, billion would it be? It takes a thousand million to make a billion. So that's eight thousand million people living in the world today, there's really bad news. And that bad news is that we are all hopeless, helpless, desperate sinners in desperate need of a savior under the wrath of God headed to hell without Jesus. But here's the good news. The good news is that our God, God the Son Jesus, became a human man on your behalf and on my behalf. He lived a perfect, righteous, sinless life in your place and in my place. And then he died a torturous death on the cross on our behalf and in our place and was raised from the dead. And the good news is if you believe that and you are currently actively trusting, relying, literally clinging to Jesus alone, for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from the wrath of God and eternal hell, then you will go to heaven when you die. Have you called out to Jesus? Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called out to Jesus and, and desperately asked him to be the Lord of your life, to come and live in your heart, to save you from your sin, to bring you to heaven when you die? It's, it's not puppeting words that saves us. Okay, but we do use our words to communicate our heart to our heavenly father, to Jesus. That's why Romans 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's simply saying that when you understand your, your desperate situation and, 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 and you believe the good news, the gospel, that Jesus came and lived for you and died for you and was raised from the dead, you're compelled to call out to him. And, and ask him to save you from your sin and to be the Lord of your life and to bring you to heaven when you die. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's the first thing that Paul means when he says leading the Gentiles to obey God. The first place we need to obey God is by believing the gospel, by trusting and relying in Jesus alone and receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. Believing in Jesus is not a request in the Bible. It's a command. That's the first thing Paul says when he says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me and leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. Okay. The second place is that once we have received Jesus Christ, once we have obeyed 
uh, once we've obeyed the command to believe in Jesus and put our full faith and trust and confidence in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, it, it is our job to increasingly grow to more and more obey everything it says in the word of God. That, that as Christians now, as disciples of Jesus Christ, it's our job to grow in our obedience to doing the things that the Bible tells us to do and abstaining from those things that the Bible tells us not to do and living in a lifestyle of repentance when we fail and all of us fail, okay? I'd have to take a vacation day to tell you the things I need to do better and the times where I'm consistently, almost daily, if not daily, some sort of repentance over some, some, some thought patterns, maybe some irritations, some frustrations, some agitations, some a, a, a way that I, you know, I didn't like how I was treated and I did not respond in a Christ-like and loving way. But, you know, and it, and it bothers me that I'm still, I can still be a baby like that, that I can still be immature, right? Um, and so this is what Paul means when he says leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. So again, he's crediting Christ. He's saying that Jesus accomplished this through him. Now, this is important, okay? Um, Jesus is not trying to vicariously live his life through, through billions of people, okay? He expects us, as C.S. Lewis said, to become like little Christ. We're not God, little Christ, not capital C, but, but, but creatures on a finite level that every aspect of our life is growing to be more and more like him, okay? Jesus is not looking to, to, to cancel us, so to speak. He wants us to, to grow to be more and more like him. I learned this from, uh, from an author called Jerry Bridges, who's gone on to be with the Lord, incredible author. Um, um, the, the book, I believe, is called The Discipline of Grace. And, and Jerry Bridges made this point that, you know, that that this idea of Jesus, you know, uh, you know, just doing everything through you. And people say, well, it's not me. It's not me. It's all just Jesus through me. Uh, no, no, it isn't. Okay. Um, and he used the example of saying that, uh, you know, he remembered where Jerry Bridges remembered where he, uh, he the Lord had a man in his life and, and the man was just, was a thorn right? Was, was a real thorn in his flesh, but he was certain the man was in his life for a reason. I know, haha, I know some of you were saying, you know, that's me to you, forgive me. But anyway, this man was a thorn in his life. And Jerry Bridges said, uh, you know, uh, he, he finally said, you know, Lord Jesus, I, I, I can't love this man, but, but you can love him through me. And he made the point that he thought he really heard the voice of the Lord very clearly tell him, um, no, Jerry, I'm not going to love him through you. I already love him. I want you to love him. So it's not that Jesus is just, you know, wanting to take over our lives and do everything through us. Okay. Um, he wants us to do it empowered by him, reliant on him, reliant on his mercy and grace, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can't do any of that without him but he expects us to do it, right? So when Paul says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, again, he's simply giving, you know, saying that without Jesus and his grace and his mercy and all that he did, that, that, that he could do nothing, okay? Hopefully that makes sense. It's an important distinction. Jerry Bridges makes the point that, 
that he could never grow in holiness because it wasn't, you know, he wasn't required to grow and mature as a person. It was just Jesus doing everything through him. For us to grow as a to grow and mature, it Jesus doesn't want to, to live his life through us, so to speak. He wants us to do it, reliant on him, empowered by him, trusting in him, trusting in the word of God. We can do none of that without him, but he expects us to do it. And as C.S. Lewis, he expects us to grow, be, to become, quote, little Christ with a small C, right? C.S. Lewis said something to the effect, who creatures on a, on a finite level are living more and more in every way to be like Jesus, right? Hopefully that makes sense. Verse 19, by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, you see Paul is, is crediting all that was accomplished through him by the power of signs and miracles. Obviously, we have no power in ourselves to do any sign, any miracle. That comes, verse 19, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Incredible miracles were done through Paul. Supernatural miracles were, were done through Paul. Eutychus falls from the, from the bedroom window dead, right? From the upper room window dead. Paul goes downstairs, lays on him. Resurrection power comes out of Paul into Eutychus, picks him up alive, hands him back to his parents. Paul would lay his hands on handkerchiefs and people would get him hundreds of miles away and they'd be healed, okay? Um, but he's, he, he's giving glory to the triune God. And you'll notice that in all this, that, you know, Paul is consistently referencing different members of the Trinity, just showing his, uh, his certainty that our God is one being, but three distinct individual persons. And that's who we relate to, right? You relate to a person not to a being, right? God is a being. That's what he is. He's God. What he is, is God. He's one being, but he's three distinct persons, God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. And, and you have relationship, not with what something is, but with who they are, with the person, right? That's how it's personal. So your relationship with, is with your heavenly father, with Jesus and with the Holy spirit in and through Jesus Christ, right? So we're only going to get through about half of this today. So thank you, Lord Jesus. By the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, Illyricum, Illyricum. So that's how, I mean, I'm telling you, I, list, I, li, I listened to it 25 times. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Uh, Stephen sits outside the door and he, I actually heard him say it to help me out. Thank you. All right. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It, uh, this, this Illyricum is, is, uh, is supposed to be modern day Yugoslavia around that area, just to show you where, where Paul would have been, right? Whew. Verse 20. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Verse 21, rather, as, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. That's Isaiah 52, 15. What is Paul saying here? Again, so listen to this verse. It sounds a little weird, right? 
It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. And then he, he talks about the work. He knows that this prophecy that was written by Isaiah, what was it, 600 years earlier, right? Six, 700 years earlier, um, that was written about the work that he is doing. When he reads Isaiah 52, 15, those who are not told about him, about Jesus, will see. And those who have not heard about Jesus will understand. He's, he's reading back to Isaiah 52, verse 15, and he knows that's actually written about the work that he's doing. Because when Paul says, it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation, there's, there's literally nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. The, the 99.999, pretty much all the time now for the last, I don't know how many years, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, for the most part, you know, people around the world have heard the gospel. There's still certain places deep down in certain tribes and certain countries where they may not have heard it. But for the most part, you know, people have heard the gospel all over the world. So we are, in fact, preaching the gospel where Christ has been heard of. And we are building on the foundation that, that, that others have preached the gospel maybe thousands of times. Right. And that's a good thing. We need to do that. Paul simply understands that the call that Jesus has given him, right, has put in his heart is to bring the gospel to places where they've never heard of it. They've never heard of, of the good news of Jesus. They never heard that God became a human man and lived for them and died for them. And they needed to trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. Paul is not saying that's a lesser thing. He's simply saying that that he feels compelled by Jesus. He has a strong desire, a, a godly ambition to consistently look for places to bring the gospel where it's never been. Not because that's more important than preaching the gospel of where it has been, right? Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Verse 22, this is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. Well, what is Paul saying? Well, you know, the gospel has already been established in Rome, okay? Um, uh, Jewish Christians came to Rome and, and, and they brought the gospel. So there was already a, a, a church in Rome. There was already believers in Rome. There were already Christians in Rome. Others had, had laid a foundation of the gospel in Rome. And so, you know, Paul was deliberately going to places where Christ was not known, where the gospel had never been preached. And so he says, this is why I have often been hindered from coming to you, because, again, he's consistently going to places where the gospel has never been heard. Verse 23, but now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, huh, and since I have been longing for many years to see you, verse 24, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. So and we're going to end here. Um, so Paul says, but now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions uh, again. So Paul has brought the gospel 
to every place in these regions. He has brought the gospel to where Christ wasn't known. He has personally brought the gospels to all the regions around him. He has brought the gospel. He has brought the good news of Jesus. People, again, had never heard of Jesus, never heard of a Messiah. They didn't, they didn't have the, the Old Testament, the, the vast, vast, vast majority of the Gentiles. And so Paul had, had taught the people about the word of God, about the promised Messiah in the Old Testament, and that that had been fulfilled in the coming of the Messiah in Jesus Christ and him being crucified and raised from the dead. And he preached the gospel. And now in all of these regions, so now that they he had, he had fulfilled that task of bringing the gospel where Christ was not known, where no one had even heard of Jesus, okay? Obviously, that, that hasn't been the case for, you know, uh, like since the birth of our country, everyone has heard of Jesus, right? In our country, they've heard of Jesus, right? There's no one, you know, that's sane, right? That 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 would say, oh, I never heard of Jesus, right? Again, everyone knows, you know, you may not, they may not believe in Jesus. Um, they may not trust in Jesus. They may not love Jesus. They may not like Jesus. They may be bought, but everyone has heard of Jesus. These people never even heard of him. But now that there is no place, but now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to see you, you see Paul's heart for these for these Romans. You know he wants to be with them. He wants to 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 see them. And you know in chapter one he talked about how he wanted to impart spiritual gifts to to strengthen their faith and to receive from them. Right. And since I've been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. So again, Paul was planning to go to Spain because he wanted to bring the gospel to Spain because it, you know, Christ was not yet known there. No one had brought the gospel to Spain yet. He says, I hope to visit you while passing through. Okay, so he's going to go to, he's going to go to Rome and then from Rome, he's going to go to Spain and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. That's verse 24. And so clearly what he's saying is that, you know, I'm going to come there and then, you know, he's going to allow them to financially, um, you know, support the work that he's going to go do in Spain, right? I plan to, to do so, okay? He wants to see them when I go to Spain. Now, what's interesting is it's, is it's not going to happen. And we're going to get into this in the next teaching. Um, Scholars believe he did get to Spain when he gets out of prison at the end of Acts 28, and they believe he did get out, and, he, and some scholars believe he got there. Some believe that he, he, he didn't necessarily ever get there, okay? But his plan is to, is to go to Spain to preach the gospel where it hasn't heard. Um, he says, I hope to visit you while passing through and have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. And he's going to explain um, a work that he needs to do in Jerusalem. Uh, to, to give an offering for the poor Jews in, uh, in Jerusalem, the Christians there, and, uh, and yet he's going to be arrested. And so he is going to get to Rome, but he's going he's to go there as a Roman prisoner. So he's going to get there, but things don't always happen as we expect them, right? So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you, and we praise you today. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our hearts, Father. We thank you that we have this, this incredible word of God, Father. We ask you to, to 
the Holy Spirit convict us, that we would have a heart to spread the gospel, that we would be inspired by our spiritual father, Paul. Um, and Father, we, we'd, we would even ask that by your mercy and grace, although we have the word of God, the completed word of God, that you would, you would use us and do signs and wonders and miracles, Lord, that would help people to believe the good news of Jesus. Father, we love you and we bless you. Holy Spirit, seal this message to our hearts now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.